When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Piers Morgan. Uncensored tonight, the deadly race against time. A massive rescue mission underway in the North Atlantic after a sub went missing on his voyage to the Titanic. I'll talk to a friend of the missing British billionaire on board and get the very latest from a panel of experts. Also tonight, British school children identifying as cats, horses and dinosaurs, and in some cases demanding to communicate in animal noises. Is this the logical conclusion of limitless self-identity? And if it is, can I be a cat? We'll debate. Plus, as England lose a thrilling first test match to Australia in the Ashes, we'll debate whether cricket is, as I believe, the greatest sport in the world, with cricket legend David Lloyd and a US sports commentator who thinks we're all completely bonkers. Live from the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. It wasn't so long ago that when teachers asked children what they want to be, they meant what profession. Now they're asking them which animal, object or beast they may identify as and tailoring their lessons accordingly. This isn't satire. It's a genuine story. It's true. It's going on in schools up and down the country. And for those of us who have warned for years about the inevitable consequence of limitless self-identity, it sadly won't come as a surprise. But it is shocking. This story begins with a video that circulated yesterday of a teacher in England scolding two pupils for refusing to accept that one of their classmates identified as a cat. You're questioning their identity. I wasn't a questioner. I was just saying about the gender. I haven't said anything about them. But where do you get this idea from? There's only two genders. Gender is not linked to do with the not linked there to the class that you were born with. Gender is about how you identify. There is actually three large possessions. Because you can be born intersex. You can be born with male and female body parts or hormones. In terms of gender, there are. Lots of genders. If you have a friend or a guy, you can meet your boy. Yeah. But you identify with the gender that of the sexual organ that you're born with yeah. or you're with. That's yeah. basically what you're saying. Yeah. Which is really despicable. Despicable. So at the age of 13, those students who were wise enough to express an honestly held opinion, which is one most people in the world would share, well, for that, their own teacher says they're despicable. And if they hold that view, they should go to a different school. That view being that girls have vaginas and boys have penises. That's so despicable, they would have to leave the school. I think what's despicable in that exchange is what that teacher said. 
The Daily Telegraph today followed up were interviewing pupils of schools across the United Kingdom for a major investigation. It read like a farce, that like they made it up. But it was actually true. They came up with all sorts of examples from all over the country that looked like we were living on, frankly, a different planet to the one that most of us think we're living on. Which makes sense, because some of the kids they write about are identifying as alien life forms literally on a different planet. They say the children in high schools are being allowed to self-identify as cats, horses, dinosaurs, even a moon. Not the moon, a moon. And they're deadly serious about this. Often this causes disruption in lessons, the Telegraph reported, because in some cases they'll only communicate in animal noises. Pupils at schools where children identify as cats complain to the newspaper that classes are dominated by the children because they insist on meowing. This is not a joke. This is serious. One pupil at a state secondary school in Wales said a fellow pupil feels very discriminated against if you do not refer to them as cat self. Telegraph discovered that a pupil at one high school is insisting on being addressed as a dinosaur, another as a horse. One wears a cape and wants to be acknowledged, like I said, as a moon. The children are allowed to wear items like cat's ears, while other human-identifying children are rebuked for untucked shirts. Well, enough is enough. Put it this way. What would you feel if I said I'm a cat? Seriously. I do actually feel quite feline. I took in two kittens in January, my first pets I've had since <coughs> I was a teenager. Uh, two little Burmese kittens called Dennis and Bobby for Arsenal fans, named after Burkamp and Perez. And I frankly now feel like one of them. I feel like I identify as a cat. I snack a lot, I enjoy regular naps, I have higher than average intelligence. I'm curious and inquisitive. I have a natural born predatory instinct when it comes to attacking rivals who attack me. And everywhere I go, people want to stroke my chin and call me cute. So, so yes, I'm a cat. But there's one problem. I'm a human, really. I'm not actually a cat. Scientifically and biologically, I'm a human being. Incontrovertibly, it's a fact. Much as I'd like to enjoy the benefits of being a cat, 20 hours, naps, no taxes, meals on demand when I cry, I can't because I'm not a cat. Now, if all of this is shocking to you, it's probably because you haven't been paying attention. Most of these teachers are probably trying to do the right thing terrified of being reported for bigotry for failing to indulge the gender whims of children. And the children themselves have grown up in a world where they're literally taught there are hundreds of genders and anybody can identify as anything they want. But they can't. And when something like this happens, society changes so radically and so fast and becomes so ridiculous that it causes complete chaos. And we surely should be questioning this. It cannot simply be the case that minority groups are right. End of question. And anyone who raises questions about it is automatically a bigot or a transphobe. I'm not bigoted or transphobic. But I do think this is insanity. And the next time a child identifies as a, as a cat at school in this country, they should be told that as a mark of deep respect for their new identity, they will be taken out of the classroom put in a cage with other actual cats who will scratch and bite them all day. They'll be given water and whiskers tuna chunks for lunch, taken for walks on leads at break time, and must use a litter tray for a toilet, one that won't be changed for several days. Trust me, they'll soon be re-identifying as humans 
by tea time. Well, joining me now is the veteran LGBT activist and human rights campaigner Peter Tatchell, political journalist Ava Santina, and by the best-selling author and conservative commentator Douglas Murray. Well, Douglas, you're safely over there in the United States, so let me start with you before the fun starts here. Um, this stuff reads like a joke, but it's really not funny when you get into the weeds of it. This is limitless self-identity gone mm. bonkers. Yeah, it's um, the very stupid results of a very stupid ideo ideology being rolled out by very stupid people. Uh, basically, everything has come unstuck in recent years by the ever-expanding alphabet acronym people, where the fight for gay rights and minority sexual rights turned into this demand, this claim, that there was no such thing as biological sex. As uh, Peter Tatchell and others well know, the argument for gay rights was won by saying, we're just like the rest of you. It was also won by saying, you know, we just want to live and let live. Yet the gender ideologues have done something totally different. They've said, you don't have the right to have your own say in this. We are right and you have to agree with us. They say, we're here, and instead of saying we're here, we're queer, and just get used to it, it's uh, we're here, and as a result, biological reality doesn't exist. Well, clearly, this very, very idiotic ideology is causing havoc. Just today, Piers, there's another uh, uh, tape from a school in Scotland where some poor boy is having to explain to his teacher that there's only two biological sexes and that the gender woo-woo stuff is nonsense. And yet again, it's the student having to educate the teacher because the teacher has been indoctrinated into stupidity due to the gender ideologues. OK, Ava, you're laughing. Why? Well, it's just quite amusing, really. I mean, we're talking about children that are 12 and 13. I mean, when I was at school, I had a girl who identified as a horse, but not in this sort of, like, problematic way that we're now labelling it. She didn't actually think she was a horse. She was just quite strange and walked around and, you know... But nobody at the noises. school then, no teachers, would have tolerated that in the way that this is now having to be tolerated. No teacher would have tolerated bullying of that child, and that's what this teacher in Sussex has done. They've said it's not acceptable for boys in that class to take the mickey out of someone who's obviously clearly just a child and who, they're exploring their imagination. Who says they're a cat. Yes, yes, but... Piers, they're 12. And he's and actually I... interfering with the lessons by talking in cat language, including meowing, and if people don't go along with this, refusing to cooperate. Yes. That is not just having a bit of fun being a cat. That is actually assuming the identity of an animal that this person is not yeah. and then insisting everybody else conform to it. That is madness. That's not what's happening. What's happening is there's a child who's slightly more imaginative than their peers and they are acting out this sort of fallacy and that's fine. But to, um, to make it about trans, or to, this is where it gets dangerous, OK? The Telegraph... Oh, it's very damaging to trans no, 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 people. I agree. Right, OK. It's, I agree with that. The reason it's most damaging, the Telegraph have been reporting this, it's up 400% in the last couple of years, them reporting trans issues. I don't understand why they've got this weird obsession with going Let into Let me explain trans. why. Let me explain why. No, it's quite gross. Let me explain why. When you have in women's sport six-foot, four-inch biological males destroying biological females at elite sport level Piers. in swimming pools, on racetracks, in other sports... That's when it becomes a full frontal assault 
on women's rights to fairness and equality. Yeah. And when you include them going into dressing rooms and so on and mixing with biological females, then there's a safety issue. When you have, as we had in Scotland, a male rapist identifying at his trial as a woman to get put into a woman's Pitch, prison I and being sent there by the female boss of Scotland at the time, who's now obviously in her own troubles, that is why this is, this is happening. Kids are watching all this stuff and, as kids do, they want a piece of the action. No, Piers, don't be ridiculous. There is nothing, there's no similarity between a child wanting to be a cat when they're 12 years old and someone competing in the Olympics. Oh, there is. There is Peter, no Peter, you and I have had a lot of civilised conversations about all this, right? And I want to continue that. I don't think that the trans community gets helped at all by any of this, right? But I don't think it's the media obsessing. I think what you're seeing is, as the trans community get ever more active and populous, if you like, for want of a better phrase, and their activists get more aggressive, when they go to battle on things like women's sport, they're losing everyone and they're piling mockery onto the trans community. If we can go back to the Telegraph article... Yeah. It's quite mischievous. Out of the, I don't know, million or more pupils in our schools, they come up with five examples. Five examples out of a million. Now, that's wrong. I, I agree it's wrong. But, as Ava says, the kids are just acting up fantasies. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be Robin Hood. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but but the, school, the schools should not be tolerating But it. the schools a are not. A teacher should not be saying, if you, don't, but if you believe there are, that women have vaginas and men have penises, you have to leave the school. That is complete nonsense. No. Right? In, in this particular case, the Telegraph cited this handful of examples... They were by teachers, individual teachers. Mm. They were not school policy. And at least one case, the school disowned the teacher and the policy and said that it wouldn't happen but again. But what about this case in Rye, Co in Rye College? Well, yeah, I'm sure there are some examples of excesses. But on the basis of, of those exceptions, you can't make a generalised attack upon the school system and suggest that all our kids are being propagandised in this way because it's simply well, not happening. When you hear happening. that teacher, I think, uh, to bring... Uh... Douglas, back in. When you hear that teacher, there's clear evidence of what we've all yes. been fearing has been going on, which is a teacher caught on tape literally spewing nonsensical gender ideology propaganda. But one teacher. Yes, only right. one, teacher, way, one teacher. Tens of thousands. Well, hang on. Um, one teacher caught on I tape. Think... Right? Yeah. There have been many other instances I... of this being reported, but no one's actually had it on tape. It's a bit like I would liken it to the Partygate scandal when we finally got a video of the people having what was clearly a party. There have been lots of rumours about it. So now we have a teacher clearly on tape doing this. But stuff. it's not official school so policy. I'll, if I may, Schools across if the I country. May, well, not, she's still, to I'm my knowledge, this. she is still working at that school. Douglas. If I may, uh, first of all, uh, Ava rather um, unfortunately misspoke earlier when she said that the uh, schoolgirl in question was acting out of fallacy. I think you meant a fantasy. But actually, she is acting Thanks, out of fallacy. Thanks, Douglas. Thanks ever a so fallacy, much. But do you know what I find fascinating? Do you know what's fascinating about Douglas? A fallacy which has been propagated... A fallacy which has been propagated by gender ideologues and is doing profound damage to gay people, among others, in our society, as well as women. Like and let me explain cares. very quick. Let me explain very quickly why. I can't quite hear you, but I can hear you muttering something. Let me quickly explain why. 
a poll that just got published in the United States showed that among the general population, support for gay marriage has been starting to decline in the last year. Why is that? It's because the arguments that actually brought about liberal rights for all minorities in the last few decades have started to get turned on their head and turned against people. What is the source of that? It is the gender ideology movement. What is the tripwire for the general public? It is children. It is people learning that their children are being taught nonsensical things. It is being seen by the wider public, most of whom are heterosexual and don't need to identify as cis or anything else. It is being seen from that vantage point as the LGBTQIA plus movement losing control of itself. And so a backlash is starting. And the backlash is coming because people are lying to children and are using children for medical experiments. There's nothing oh, funny ridiculous. about that. There's nothing that, that should cause levity in that. It should be treated by adults seriously. OK, no, Ava? So, Douglas, it's really important, actually, all of that point that you've just brought up, it's very on brand for you, because, you know, you like to stoke fear. You've actually made a career out of it. We, uh, you know, I'll take you I... back to your book, The Strange Death Ava. of Europe, and you made a big fright, you know, you frightened the entire public about your thoughts on Europe, and we ended mm. up in Brexit. You weren't the sole contributor to that, but you yeah. were a big Can we voice stick on to the, the I will, I will. And then, you know, so now we're quickly. talking about LGBTQ, if I may say so and you're very creating... Quickly, Hang on, Piers. you spoke, you spoke, uh, I'm speaking. Well, uh, no, I'm speaking, I'll, I'll you spoke. Reply. This is. A, I mean, and I'll reply. Hello. Let, I haven't let finished. Let Ava speak, please. Douglas. Now back on the trans issue. When you're talking about LGBTQ, what you've just done there is basically say that the whole of America, who have historically had a problem with gay marriage, are now turning no. on it because a couple of children no. in a classroom in Sussex want to be a cat. No, if you can't no, see the no. ridiculousness in that argument, I can't help you. No. The bigger well, issue is all, there is no such thing Ava, as gender yes. ideology. We I all have gender identities. Either. You identify as a man. And I fully respect you. Well, no, no, hang on. I don't identify no. as a man. I was born a biological yes, male. Yes. That's where this whole um, thing Piers, you need goes, to let me goes come rogue. In. I'll bring you back in, Douglas, as I want to say. That's where the whole debate goes rogue. You were born a biological male, you were born a biological female, Douglas biological male. The, this is just a fact. Right? No. Once you start saying there are hundreds of genders and you can identify as anything you want, no. you're going to end up with kids yeah. at school going, I'm a horse, and you've got to treat me like a horse. It appears you're confusing two things. No, I'm not. Sex and gender. I'm not. I accept they are being conflated. Biological sex is one thing which I totally accept, and so do 99% of the people in the LGBT plus community. Gender is something different. Gender identity is how you see yourself. And, and do, you believe course, it's, do you believe it's limitless? No, I don't believe it's limitless. What's the limit? Well, there was basically male and female and intersex, but there are people who have different gender identities. No, but how many genders are there? Well, I, 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 there is no fixed number. So what's the limit? I don't see a particular limit. There's no uh, limit. So, I, I, so when I, you said there's no... You no, said there is a limit. I, now I, you admit there's no limit. No, sorry. Well... There, there is male and female Is identity. there a limit or not there's to the number of genders? identity. No, that's, that's sex. But... On but, gender, is there a limit to the number of genders? Well, there are, there are some people who are asexual. That's an identity. No, no. There are... Some the, BBC, people... the BBC has yeah. put in education videos there are 100-plus genders. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with so that. So what is the limit? What's the number? Well, I'm not going to specify a particular number, but it's, right. a ve it's very small. But where, it's do very you draw, small. where do you draw the line? Well, I draw the line based on science and evidence. And we know that there is a thing called intersex, mm. where people are born with a mixture of both that male... That is literally what it says both, on... Both that's what it says on the female. team. That is intersex. Yeah. People are born with, with chromosomes from both, yeah. right? That is a medical condition. Yeah. That's inarguable. 
right? We're talking about gender. Well, the Douglas... trans identity uh, is also a biological fact. I know, but once I... Rooted... Rooted in brain structures and processes. I understand it. But once as the people, new science shows. But once you get into 100 genders, people can literally... Yeah, we're literally... not debating 100 genders. Well, actually, the BBC has taught kids, as is back to Douglas's point, yes. about you know, affecting the brains of impressionable young kids. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the BBC if they're saying okay. 100 plus genders. Okay, Douglas. Uh, very quickly, I, I don't know, Ava, anything about your career. Um, I don't know if you have one. Uh, but you did try to imply that you knew something about mine and you just showed you know nothing about it because actually my 2017 bestseller, The Strange Death of Europe, was not about the EU. So you should learn at some point to read more than the title it was of the book about before Europe. commenting upon it. Was it was about... And it was about uh, so migration. Let me, but let me, but and let it me was. very quickly... And how let rude me are you? Quickly, how rude are you? Very quickly... Very you've quickly, built a career me... out of fear-mongering very... and you're now importing you evangelical even built American a ideas onto UK you television. You haven't even it's built a career, odd. have you? You haven't what even built a career. What are you talking about? I'm on so the same panel as you, Hunter, and we're getting the same... Do you know so, what? I'm going to wrap so it up by saying you're, you've both got wonderful careers or you wouldn't be on Piers Morgan Uncensored. Uh, wow. Before I let you go, Peter, though, I want a quick reaction. Elton John today reacted to the Philip Schofield scandal and said that he believed uh, it was totally homophobic, that if it had been a man having a, a relationship at work with a 20-year-old woman, there would be no scandal. What's your response to that? I think there's a whiff of homophobia. I wouldn't say total homophobia, but there's a whiff because we know that when big celebrities like Leonardo DiCaprio, um, uh, Peter Stringfellow, uh, Elvis Presley and so on, when they had relationships with young women much, much younger, there was tut-tutting, but there wasn't the kind of witch-hunting atmosphere that Philip Schofield has experienced. Mm. Now, saying that, as someone who says that, you know, his own private life should be his own private life unless he's harmed someone else or committed a criminal offence. Otherwise, it's for him... Do you know, 40% of uh, all marriages used to begin at the workplace and historically with a, a man in a higher position at work. That's how people used to meet and fall in love. It would be the boss, the secretary and so on. That's not going to happen anymore, is it? I mean, with the Schofield template now is you cannot actually really have any relationships at work. And my only response to that would be, OK, how are people going to meet their partners for life, actually? It's an interesting question, socially. If 40% of marriages began at work and work relationships become taboo, where does that leave online, society? Online, though, isn't it, you know? Huh? It's Gen Z now, it's all online. We don't talk to each well, other. Well, there you go. Here, you know? well, there you <laughs> go. The only thing we should be concerned about, was a crime committed, was anyone harmed? We don't have any evidence of either in the case of... No, we don't at the moment, unless, unless the, the other man concerned comes out and contradicts Philip Schofield's story. Yeah. There is no crime. Until then, the man is innocent. Yeah. Innocent no, I, until proven guilty. I don't disagree. Peter, we've reached a point of agreement. <laughs> Always a good place to end. Ava, congratulations on your stunning career, which has brought you to the desk of Piers Morgan Uncensored. Douglas, always a joy over there in Likewise. New York. Great to see you. <laughs> There's a cat for you. Uncensored next. Rescue teams are in a deadly race against time after a tourist sub carrying five very rich people went missing on a dive to the wreck of the Titanic. Could they possibly survive this? Is there any hope? We'll have the latest next. Before we came on air, the US Coast Guard updated the world on their search and rescue mission to find a missing Titanic submersible. It wasn't good news. So far, their efforts have not yielded any results. Five people are on board the tiny vessel, including British billionaire explorer Hamish Harding. They're said to have fewer than 40 hours of oxygen remaining. 
So could this be a rescue mission impossible? Well, the remains of a Titanic, where some are speculated the sub could be stuck, rests 12,500 feet beneath the surface of the Atlantic. At that depth, no light from the sun reaches the ocean floor. It's pitch black. Temperatures are near freezing, around 0 to 3 degrees Celsius. Water pressure is 380 times greater than on land. That's the equivalent of being trapped under a 100-storey tower made of lead. And to illustrate just how deep it is, 12,500 feet is about nine Empire State buildings stacked on top of, in, of each other. Well, joining me now are explorer and friend of British businessman Hamish Harding, uh, Yannick Mickelson, retired US Navy submarine captain David Markey, and Dr Michael Yeen, who's a journalist who became the first TV correspondent in history to report from the wreck of the Titanic. Well, welcome to all of you. Um, Yannick, let me, let me start with you, Yannick, uh, if I may. Obviously, a devastatingly difficult time for you and everybody who knows any of these five people on board. How are you feeling about this? Because obviously, Hamish, a great explorer, done many very risky things in his time. But this, as time goes on, does look to be potentially like a, a real tragedy unfurling. It's looking bleak. I'm terrified for the worst news now. It's... Um... I have a little bit of hope, but they have all the odds against them at this point, and it will be a miracle if they can recover the submarine or submersible with a crew that's alive. What, what kind of man is Hamish, for those who don't know him? Hamish is larger than life. Uh, he loves exploration. He's been to space. He's been to the deepest point of the planet. He's been to the South Pole. And he's also mentored me a lot in my career as an explorer, and this is why I'm living close to the North Pole to train to be a polar explorer and survive in a polar climate. There are videos of, I think, Hamish and others talking about this, this vessel, this submersible. The thing that struck me was that for people who were so wealthy, it, it doesn't seem a particularly sophisticated piece of machinery, that the risks are pretty high, actually, if something was to go wrong. Would that be a fair assessment? I myself haven't seen this submersible, but with any expedition, there's a large amount of risk involved. If you want to be the first person to do something today on planet Earth or in space, you have to accept risk because if it was easy, it wouldn't have been done. Um, David, you've been a re retired United States Navy submarine captain, so an expert in this field. I want to play a little bit of what I was just talking about, a little clip of uh, some of the people who are on board talking before about it, including Hamish. An experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? I couldn't help noticing how many pieces of this sub seemed improvised. We can use these off-the-shelf components. I got these from uh, Camper World. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> so, David... Look, they're sort of being quite jokey about it. Obviously, this is now a very serious situation. Um, did they underestimate, perhaps, the dangers? Or is that just always part of the risk, do you think, of this kind of expedition? No, I think you could do a better job mitigating the risk. We know from a long history of operating submarines in the Royal Navy, the American Navy, I've been underwater for 87 continuous days. What it takes to keep a submarine operating safely underwater. We have, first of all, starts with the design and the building of the submarine. We track a bolt from when it was manufactured, let's say it's chromium magnesium alloy, to when it's installed on the submarine, every step of the way, because we want to make sure that the exact right bolt 
but the right material is installed in the right bolt hole. This all costs money. And then when we operate the submarine, if we were in port for a while, we don't just go out and submerge in deep water and see how it goes. We, we test everything at the pier, then we go deliberately 100 feet, 200 feet, 300 feet, we walk around with flashlights checking things. It is daunting, and this is why these submarines cost so much money. So I admire people pushing the boundaries, and throughout the human race, these people have contributed a lot. And some risk is unavoidable, but I think you should try and do everything you can to minimize avoidable risk. What, what David, what do you think is the most likely scenario that's happened here? Well, uh, for the families and friends, prepare yourself for bad news. Uh, no, the communications abruptly ended and the submarine has not shown up on the surface. So to me, that signifies likely that the crew has been incapacitated. It could be simply that the batteries died, but in this case, I would expect to hear someone banging a wrench, for example, against the titanium end bells of the submarine. But we're not hearing anything. So I worry that there's something, there could have been a fire on board, they could have somehow depleted their oxygen way early and not realized it. Uh, they could have flooded somehow, a fitting corroded and ruptured and water came in. And when you're that deep, you said 380 times the pressure at air. That's just a number. It's hard to conceive how that happens like this. The water would come in so fast, they wouldn't experience anything. They would be crushed, they would be drowned, they'd be asphyxiated, and they would feel no pain. What is the difference between a submarine and a submersible? A submarine has a big motor, a big engine, and a propeller that drives it out of port. So it's on its own, leaves port, uh, leaves Norfolk, goes out to sea, drives a 1,000 miles, submerges, and, and operates. A submersible has small maneuvering um, pro uh, propellers, so it's towed out to the side of the Titanic. It's released by the mothership. It can drive down, hover around the wreck, uses those propellers because there's currents down there, so it uses those propellers to make sure it doesn't get swept into the wreck or entangled in the wreck. And then when, when they're done sightseeing and the time's up, then they come back up to the surface. Well, thank you for that expert uh, guidance, too, because I think a lot of people are a little bit confused. Dr. Michael, you know better than most the difference. You've been on a submersible in 2000. You went down there for ABC News. You were the first TV correspondent in history to report from the wreck of the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean. We've got a little clip of this, I think. As we approach the stern of the ship, we're suddenly caught up in a strong underwater current that pushes us towards one of the gigantic 21-ton propellers. Oh, my God, look at the size of these things. Oh, my gosh, so are we stuck or what? As this graphic shows, we appear to be somehow wedged beneath the wreck of the stern. A scary moment for you. Uh, does this bring back pretty awful memories of, of what happened to you and what could have happened? Yeah. I, I'm feeling pretty sick right now. And... Uh, agree with the lieutenant. Uh, the two things that um, come out at me right now is the loss of communications, because even when we were stuck down there, our pilot, who was a, a former Russian MiG pilot, was piloting our three-man sub, much smaller than the one that's currently in this situation. And uh, <clears throat> he was able to communicate with the surface ship, the research vessel, the Academic Kelvish, on the surface. I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was all in Russian. 
but nevertheless. And then the second thing that uh, stands out uh, to me, Pierce, is, um, as the lieutenant pointed out, if, if it had just been a failure of communications, then that pilot would have brought that thing up to the surface immediately. So, I mean, uh, we can speculate endlessly. I hate doing it because lives are at stake. I'm really sorry. I, I can see. Yeah, I also feel being stuck under there and being utterly hopeless. It's not easy to get out of there. I, I can see the emotion there in you. That this is obviously, and and, and indeed also for you, uh, Yannick, um, because Dr. Michael, I guess you must have had a moment when you were in a similar situation, where you thought you may not get out of it, right? Yeah, more than a moment. Uh, the better part of an hour. And uh, being a scientist, of course, I'm a, a professional problem solver. So my first instinct was, number one, to hope no, nobody in the cabin would panic because we had been told uh, by the captain of our ship before we went down that he told us a story, a true story, of a gentleman who was found himself in that situation and in his panic went for the escape hatch to open it up. It's right above your head. And, of course, it was the end of it because, as the, cap as the lieutenant said, the pressures down there are enormous. Uh, I, I filed a story for 2020 and then Good Morning America. And uh, just to illustrate how uh, powerful the pressure is down there, we took uh, some styrofoam cups and the, the cup came back about that small and all the air had been squeezed out of it from the pressure down there. That brings it home. It's, the, it's a very hostile environment, very cold, very high pressure. Um, so uh, yes, for the better part of an hour, I kept thinking, well, how could we get out of this? There was another Russian sub in the vicinity, and I thought perhaps it could tow us out, but of course, it's not feasible. It's not AAA comes tow you out of the mud. Um, and I just ran through the checklist of things in my mind, and I finally came to that moment, that brick wall, that utter sense of uh, hopelessness. And the words that came into my mind were, this is how it's going to end for you. And you have to understand, I've been to the North Pole, the South Pole. I've covered the Persian Gulf War for 14 years, ABC News. I've been all over the world. I've been in harm's way everywhere, but those words came into my mind and I'll never forget them. This is how it's going to end for you. And I thought of my wife, Laurel, and thought I'd never see her again. And just by the grace of God, Victor and his skill managed to weasel our way out of that uh, big propeller. And it's a big propeller. Our ship was very small, you have to understand. It's a huge propeller. Our ship is small in comparison. We just got trapped in the blades. But if it weren't for Victor's uh, heroic efforts, I, I wouldn't be here today to tell you about this. But it's just terrible. It makes me sick. Well, incredibly emotive uh, description there uh, from someone who really does know what they may... I mean, look, you had a miracle escape. We can only hope and pray that something may turn up here. We don't know, obviously, what's happened. And until we know for sure, there's hope. And they, they would still have enough oxygen left if, indeed, they're still alive. And we can only hope and pray that does happen. And, and Yannick, for you and for everyone who's a friend, a family member, our hearts go out to all of you and we just hope and pray that there is a miraculous ending to this. But thank you all very much indeed for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Pierce. Well, so next, you probably need some light relief after that. What an emotional description there of what may be down there by the Titanic, what that experience must be like when you fear the worst. Um, Really very moving. But after the break, we're going to lighten the load. We're going to talk about cricket. Uh, just been the most remarkable end to a game between England and Australia in the uh, Ashes series, which just started here in England, prompting my belief that cricket is the greatest sport in the world. 
But Americans, a lot of Americans, think it's the most boring and stupid sport in the world. We're we'll going to debate this after the break with cricket legend David Lloyd and US commentator Dave Portney, who hasn't got a clue what I've just been talking about. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. England tonight lost a thrilling first Ashes Test match to Australia. I'm absolutely gutted about it, but despite that, I remain adamant that cricket is indisputably the greatest sport of them all. Many Australians will agree, especially tonight, but many of our viewers in the United States, well, they wouldn't agree. In fact, they think cricket is one of the most boring, confusing and pointless sports ever invented. Here are some of our American friends watching cricket for the very first time. I, I don't know a damn thing about cricket either, bro. Thing about it's my first time watching. So the pitcher's trying to hit these sticks, maybe? Y'all there catching the ball with their hands. Is the ball soft? What just happened? What just happened? Off his leg, up in the air. He knows it's coming at him. I think in the back big, and then they throw the ball like underhand, I think. This is the most complicated sport I've ever seen, bro. That's the key. We made it deliberately complicated so Americans wouldn't want to play it. Think about that. We're not stupid over here. So is cricket the greatest sport in the world, as I believe, or are we Brits and Aussies and a few other countries just completely bonkers? To debate this, I'm joined by the Barstool Sports founder, Dave Portnoy in the United States, and from Yorkshire, former England cricket player, umpire coach and living legend, David Bumble Lloyd. All right, Dave Portnoy, uh, you obviously don't, don't get cricket, that might be your problem, not ours, because cricket is the greatest sport ever invented. Listen, uh, Pierce, I thought there was a misprint on the sheet when they said what you were asking me to talk about. I, cricket? I mean, I, I've seen five seconds of cricket my whole life. I, I'm not against cricket. I just don't care about cricket. Uh, I just heard the introduction you gave to the, the guy in the panel. 
I mean, if he was walking down the street and slapped me in the face, I'd have no idea who he was. I just don't know anything about cricket. I've seen the highlights. I know that you can play for like 3,000 hours straight. It seems interesting if you know what's going on, but it's not an American sport. It's our version of baseball. But, yeah, I, I don't care about cricket at all. I, you're not going to get me to trash cricket, but I don't know anything about it. All right. David Lloyd, uh, enthuse the gentleman. Explain why he's so wrong to be so disinterested. Piers, I'm not surprised that they don't get it in America. I really don't. And baseball's been mentioned, and that goes right above me. America, what is it, football they play when they're all... You can't tell anybody. They've all got hats on, they've all got shoulders on, and they throw it around. In fact, they bring the crowd in, they can have a go as well. So don't talk about cricket. It's the greatest sport there's ever been. I'm not surprised in the slightest. Look who's running the country. <laughs> well, Dave, he's got a point. I mean, you've got a you've got a president at the moment who's. I don't who's know still... what that point is. I. Well, listen, I'll tell you what the point you is. The point is you've got. Who you have to argue. I don't. I don't care about cricket. No, I, cricket's here, there, nowhere. Again, I thought it was a mystery. All right, let me try and let me try and explain an to you. Let me try and explain to you why you should. You guys care. are the ones who need the respect for cricket. Cricket's no, no, we're irrelevant. not after respect. No one cares about cricket here. We're explaining you why you're wrong. Well, it's then not what about... is the point of the segment? Well, I'm, I'm telling you the point of the segment. So get this little fact about cricket. Cricket matches were played by soldiers during the American Revolutionary War, with many games being played at the Valley Forge encampment. George Washington, I'm sure you've heard of him, also played at least one game there with the sport referred to as wicket by Americans at the time. Not the first time you've taken our language and mangled it. Um, so cricket was very much there at the start. What happened? Why did you move to baseball, which is so clearly an well, inferior sport? Well, then that sport? speaks volumes about that speaks volumes about cricket being boring. If you're saying we had it all these years, we developed better sports, more action. I mean, people people played lacrosse way back in the day and it didn't grow. I don't know. I didn't know this turned into we got the 4th of July around the corner and you got me coming at cricket. For, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing that is dumb. Can't the same guy pitch every time? No, that's the whole point. That's why our, our form of You can't cricket. go underhand? Can't the same pitcher? No, we don't play underhand anything. All throw it. We don't do that. We bowl. And we have great fielding positions like sitting yeah, mid on. And, the same, the and we same bowl things like Google every time, right? No, we. we, we, we is it, all together. Know. All right. You want me to say cricket's great? Cricket's great. I don't care. Cricket's great. Great. Go cricket. I don't care. All right, Dave. What, what, what sports are they good at? Are they good at any sport? They've got a few golfers. Are they any good at snooker or darts? What they got? <laughs> Dave, are you any good at I snooker don't even or darts? What the hell snooker is? <laughs> But, well, well, again, look, again, look, snooker, baseball, snooker baseball, is baseball, rather like cricket. Baseball all over the world, baseball. Well, well rather like cricket. Where, rather like cricket to where baseball. Where is this being telecast? Is this is this show only in Sydney, Australia, or something? I don't even know what we're talking about. It does air in Sydney, but snooker, rather like cricket is to baseball, is a sophisticated version of pool. We basically have more superior, sophisticated, intelligent sport here. Probably why you don't like them. Though. Pool. Yeah. We're talking about pool now? Yes. All right. I mean, I don't know that you got world-class athletes playing pool, but... Well, Dave, Dave, for those who don't understand cricket in America and care even less and just think it's a waste of time, I always explain, how could you not but enjoy... But who a... thinks that? Well, hang on. Who... Talk... It's just not an American sport. I'm actually talking to the other David here. Hang on. David Lloyd, right. the legend. Bumble, we'll call you. Um, I always explain to Americans that take the Ashes. It's five matches... 
spread out each one over five days. Each day can be seven to eight hours. You can get 200 hours of cricket, and at the end, the score might be 0-0. Zero, zero. And that's why we devised it like that, so Americans would never want to play it. Well, it's coming to America. If you listen to everybody about T20, which is the dumbest form of the game, T20 is quick, it's fast, it's lightning, and it's coming to America. Whether they like it or not, it's on its way. Yeah, it is. And, Dave Portnoy, I'm afraid you are going to grow to love cricket. You're going to want to come on here every week and do cricket I, segments. I, I... I don't know what he just said. Cricket's coming to America? Where? At the local YMCA? Like no, where? it's coming to cities no, all over America. No. The three-hour I mean, version. We could, we could introduce you to football and rugby as well. You, you're no good at that. <laughs> Dave, Dave Portman, I mean, you don't, I, you don't look convinced. Rugby. I've seen rugby. You don't look convinced. I, I just, you guys are trying to make me like a cricket hater. I just don't know much about it. The way you just described it, you said it goes on for seven days straight with no points and no goals. That sounds like a torture camp to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, two Daves with very different opinions about cricket. I have to say, David Lloyd, for me, cricket has brought me more joy, as, as I know it has for you, than anything else probably in my entire life with the possible exception of hand That's pump. because you're an Arsenal fan. Well, certainly more joy, sustained joy than Arsenal, and probably as much joy as a hand-pumped pint of Harvey's Bitter, which I know, uh, David Lloyd, you, you love a, a bit of bitter as well, don't you? I do indeed. And, and we're going to have to get older, Dave, and take him to a match. We are. And he'll have, to come, he'll have to come kicking and screaming for seven days. We'll play it for seven days. <laughs> we have a date. David Portnoy, we're going to take you to a cricket match and we're going to bore you into submission and admit it's a superior form of right. baseball. Uh, two, Dave, two Davids, thank you both very much indeed for a, an enlightening debate. We got absolutely nowhere, but it was very funny. Thank you both very much. Uh, Uncensored Next, a British water company announces a review of its maintenance signs after claims the phrase men at work is sexist. Of course it is. Only a matter of time before they came for the workmen. Uh, we'll debate that next. Welcome back to uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored. Tonight's pack is Talk TV's Paul Rowan Adrian and Richard Tice. Great to see women getting their kid off again in beauty contests, isn't it? <laughs> Over to you, Paula. Well, that, that depends, Piers. Is that what you're into? Watching yeah. women getting their kids I like off? seeing beautiful women uh, in bikinis. At, uh, you like uh, judging them? Yes. But you rate a woman, do you? No problem at all. And men, don't okay. care. Not oh, so, sexist, right, but so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to judge you both. I'm really? happy to rate you both. Would you like well, to I wouldn't want to be your proposal? I wouldn't want to be objectified. I'm sure Richard would be constantly <laughs> Obviously, there'd be no competition between you <laughs> and I. Well, I don't know. Let, let, let's do it. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, but what is the, what's the big deal about those kind of competitions with women who just it's want not, to be beautiful models? It's I mean, not 1970 anymore, Piers. Well, women's and magazines are full of pictures like that. And to be fair, a, a beauty pageant wasn't just about the bikini. It yes, was it about was. it was well. Nobody cared about what they maybe, said. For huh? you, maybe. For you, maybe. Nobody cared about the interviews. Yeah, huh? I, I think that's quite disappointing and says a lot, really, about you. Uh, Not more, really. More so than it says about the. Women I think we should part. be able to, rather like a fine piece of art, we should be able to appreciate beauty 
without being judged censoriously for appreciating but beauty. But that's exactly what you're doing. You're judging them. That's what you've just told but literally, us. Literally, women walk down the street now in bikinis without any problem. What's the big deal? And so, what, what is the problem with that? Well, they're not being judged and they're not being objectified. But the ones who take saying, part want to be judged. That's the whole point of entering a competition. Not just about the bikini, though. They want to be judged. And that's why they took they it out. They literally enter a competition to be judged. It's about competition, on their it's about it's being a, the best. And by the way, there's a clue in the title. Beauty pageant. It's about... They want to be Miss America or Miss Universe. They want to be Miss UK. They want to be judged on how they look. Ah, so when you say Miss UK, what they're not saying is, I want to be Miss Beautiful UK. That's, again, that's Well, have Miss different. Ugly UK, then. I'd watch different. it. I'd watch Miss Ugly UK. Um, look, here's some pictures of, of former beauty pageant contestants, right? All very happy to be in it. All very happy to be judged. I was very happy looking at those shows over the years. What's the problem? What's the problem? I don't mind if it's men. If you women want to look at men, you ogle people like the pole dart guy all the time. What's the difference? Aidan, what's his name from pole dart? Front page of every paper with his top off every year. Women all go crazy. What's the difference? There isn't any. Well, we know what the difference is. It's just you're choosing not to accept it. Let's talk about men at work signs. <laughs> Something less contentious. Uh, so apparently uh, a water company has been blasted by... Uh, worrying about causing offence for having men at work signs put up at Exton in Devon. They've ordered a review following a complaint that it deems women's contributions unimportant. Richard Tice, have you ever seen a woman on one of these water construction sites working? Never. Right. In about... So isn't that the point? It is invariably men at work. It's a fact. They're just describing a fact which men are at work. Yeah. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's not very difficult. It's not offensive. I, maybe we if it have... was women at work, I'd say make the sign women at work. Well, in a, in a maternity ward, <laughs> yeah. maybe there should be a sign oh, saying God. women push, pushing hard. I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Paula? Oh, do you know what? I, I don't know whether to be scared or worried because this is quite unbelievable. Why do we need a sign to say men at work? Why do you need that sign? Because why do you feel literally, so... Most construction why is your self-esteem so men, low that you need a sign to say men at work? are men it's, at work. It's not about what mostly happens. Oh, it's what not is about generalising. This is about so stating. Even if there aren't why any women, it should it? say men at work. It's about health and safety. It's about working. It's about working. Health it's and not safety. about right. men. Health it's and not safety. about Unfortunately, work. our work it's has come to working. a tragic end. Uh, <laughs> Just change the sign back to what it was. That's it from me. Keep it uncensored. Men at work. If they're men, what's the problem? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. 
Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.